0: Welcome to At The Root with Greg Kuyper. I am Stacy Heller. Welcome, Greg.
1: Welcome to you, Stacy. Here we are on this beautiful day.
0: I know. I think it's two weeks in a row. So let me share this part. Let me share that you are a practicing psychotherapist and holistic life coach. You are also a recovering addict and alcoholic. Through your professional practice and personal experiences, Greg has learned that without connection to self... Real connection with others is near impossible because emotional connection is at the root of healthy living. Now, at the end of the show last week, you reminded me that it is, in fact, possible for me to shut up so that folks can call in. (laughs) (laughs) You may not recall that. I I do. do.
1: I do recall it now. Yes, I said that.
0: I definitely do not have bitter beer face at the moment. I am fine with it. So I thought maybe I should share the number up front. So if folks want to call in and ask a question, yes. please do so. The number to call is 425-373-5527. I'll say it again in case you're driving. It's bad to drive and write. 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven. There you go. There we go. So we're always we always welcome callers or people to connect through Facebook, social media, et cetera, et cetera. We do. In the meantime, back to not me. that
1: I don't like talking to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, I represent everybody.
1: Oh, there we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or the lollipop <laughs> guild. Um, so takeaways from last week. Yeah. So we talked a lot about the importance of encouraging autonomy in kids.
1: We did. We talked about
0: what that may look like. It could be politically, socially, intellectually, culturally, even Mm -hmm. fashion-wise. We talked about how even though we may be afraid to lose control or maybe we're afraid of um, the consequences for our kids in terms of safety or even what the neighbors may think, that even still we need to encourage this autonomy. Uh, we talked about how we need to be aware of what we model for our kids, that if it's more important for us to maintain the status quo, that is sending a message right there. And lastly, we started to talk about and we wanted to get into this, the idea that, you know, comparing a younger sibling or one kid with another. And you talked about how that can create our uh, relational trauma and yes. um, that it can result in ruptured attachment and that clearly was going to be a whole big topic. So, <laughs> yes. Here we are.
1: I love that term, ruptured, ruptured attachment. It's so clinical or something. Well, but, you know, it's
0: <laughs> but it, it's I it definitely feels like, you know, um I can envision it because of the words. Like ruptured, it's like it kind of imploded, right? right. And so that attachment that you may have imploded. Right. With little warning, so right. I'm gonna I'm gonna translate that for the layman.
1: Yeah, imploded or, or was never existent, right? You know that that could be part of it too. Um, well, in our context, we were talking about uh, favoring one sibling over another, mm-hmm. even unconsciously, unintentionally, whatever it is. Uh, it can be. Life changing for the child that's not in favor as much, right? Mm-hmm. And no matter how often we say, Oh, I love you just as much as everybody else, and whatever, and you do, but your actions and your behaviors, your, your uh, comments, um, all of those things can really uh, set the child in a different direction, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and it can indicate otherwise.
1: What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. You know, how
0: you and the thing is, I, I think that you try to love your kids in the way that suits them best. You know, the thing mm. that I always would say to the kids and I still say to the kids is that if I loved my oldest the same way that I love her brother mm-hmm. um, their love language is different. We had started to talk a little bit sure. about love language and that that is not seeing her and recognizing her, right? So talking about that autonomy and that how she needs me to love her is different than how her brothers need to be loved or her sister. And so recognizing what your kids need... Well, that's
1: that's that awareness, right? Right. Being aware of what... Let's just call it their love language is, right? Mm -hmm. Being aware of what that is so that um, you can... Relay your love for them in their language, in something they can translate. Right? I mean, if it's if they can't translate it, it's just a different language to them, right? Right. And no well, matter and how many times you say, and "You do kids, know, I love you,", you of know course, you. Right.
0: right? And I I love you all the same. Well, yes, I mean, that's right? that's a right. shame. You shouldn't. Right. Um. You know, like the question is: Do kids get that though? Do they understand? That if you say to your kids, um, you know, I love you all equally mm-hmm. and I love you all the way that, you know, I feel like you need to be loved or that, you know, however you're going to say it. Right? right. Do the kids get that or do they just see that, you know, if if Johnny's love language is quality time and little Penelope wants, you know, a a new skirt um every week you know (laughs) and so one wants you know quality time and one wants um gifts do they understand you know how do you
1: well i think what happens is, is if a parent has a child that unintentionally really they are Favoring because that child is more of the picture of what they had in mind of a child being for them before they had the child even, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they have this preconceived notion of this whatever, you know, the, the jock or the cheerleader or, or the ballerina or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and perhaps one child, um, uh, typically an older child, goes in that direction. What about the next child? I mean, what happens when you, when you are not aware that you are applying that same love and affection towards the younger child as you were to the older one? Mm-hmm. And you need to be a little different, right? I mean, that's the autonomy piece. No matter what the child and where they want to go, what they want to do, the support and the love is there. Is it a disappointment that they're not the ideal um, epitome of the child that you wanted? Right. I mean, that's that. It doesn't work that way.
0: I have so many things. I so many things. I think about this. I. I tend to when we have these conversations apply it to personal scenarios so you know honestly it's a good thing that i don't tell most of my family that i help you with the show because (laughs) i can just freely talk about everybody i think about my
1: brothers hopefully they don't know when it is no they like they know nothing
0: um this is like my own little private space so (laughs) my oldest brother you know he is the classic you know born in the 60s and Mm. like the yuppie preppy corporate mm-hmm. did all the things that he was supposed to do um guy and then my brother my other brother peter the middle child he was kind of like well looks like that was already taken so now i'm going to be the punk rock artist mm-hmm. go my own way shave my head get a tattoo kind of route and then i came along and i think my mom especially pinned all these hopes that i would be you know the little girl that loved um, to have Shirley Temples. Right. And, you know, <laughs> I would dress up a certain way. And, you know, I played that role for a while because it seemed like it was what my mom needed. Right. And then I eventually learned to grow out of it. And so I wonder sometimes, like, do, like, the parents...
1: But you said it perfectly when you said playing the role your mom needed. Yeah. And at what point do you, is does that become so detrimental that you can't become yourself? Forty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't specifically talking about you, but oh, oh, oh sorry. Do we need another session? No. Uh, <laughs> what do we right?
0: have going on after this show? <laughs>
1: and, and this can be even this can be even more. This can be deeply traumatizing. Um, for instance, um, what if the the younger child, the second, the third, whatever mm-hmm. it is, what if they're gay or lesbian mm-hmm. or trans? The parents, most more than likely, certainly didn't have that in their plan. Mm-hmm. And, and so being able to deal with that in a loving and caring manner and in the same way that you loved and cared for that older child, whatever he or she is, mm-hmm. you know, a, a scholar or a cheerleader or, or, you know, a musician, whatever, all those things that you hope that they can, um, I want to say be, but that's not it, not be, but they can learn. Sure. And they, they can uh, enjoy and experiment with those kind of things. When you have a, a child that's totally different, there's still a person that's going to need love, that's going to need nurturing, that is going to someday be an adult in our society and needs to function without shame and guilt.
0: I have the phrase, and I did not see the movie, so I just uh-huh. want to say that I have no idea what the movie's about, but the phrase, call me by my name. I think about this idea that, you know, if you. If parents tend to say, oh, he's the, you know, oh, he's the artist or he's the this or he's the that. Right. It's like how about, you know, it's not this is my my gay son or this right. is my, you know, son that is this or my daughter that is that. How about you just call them by their name? And all of those are different parts of them. And I, I suspect that this is the stuff that creates the relational trauma.
1: Sure. Relational trauma. I mean – once that child feels ostracized, I guess is the word, I mean, feels separate from the rest of the family, it's, it's uh, hard for them to recover from that without professional help. Seriously. Oh, I... I, I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, later, 20s and 30s, they're still dealing with that. And all because we as parents didn't recognize were unaware, made a mistake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Parenting is not very easy. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but But the awareness, if we can just have the awareness as a parent that no matter what this child needs, the nurturing and care and the lessons and the support so that they can be a productive member of society i guess i don't know i don't like like that turn but just yeah just be happy in life right later and if we slip and many times we do if we slip and we don't recover from that slip that's not going to happen and it's way way too important
0: it's so important, and it just yeah. it continues to show me when we have these conversations that it goes back to what was modeled to you. Right. And, you know, it's what so many counselors and therapists and professionals say about abuse, right? It's about breaking the cycle. And it, to break the cycle, we have to be present,
1: aware, aware. Aware. There it is right there. I mean, if we can be aware that we are being our parents in a negative way, the yeah. negative things they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. If we can aware that we're being those our parents and, and be conscious of it and want to change it mm-hmm. in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And admit our mistakes, repair the damage as soon as we can. That is modeling right there to the child the way that Life needs to work later. Absolutely. Right? Forgiveness, repair, uh, uh, knowing that we all make mistakes, but we can fix them. Uh, that that kind of thing is invaluable to our children. And if we are because of any kind of a, it's a word I want to use. Any kind of a prejudice. Mm-hmm. Any kind of a prejudice, whether it's just this has never been done in our family or whatever. If we have any kind of a prejudice like that against the autonomy and what they are becoming, then we've lost them.
0: Oh, very much so. so. And
1: the farther it goes, the worse it gets. How can I talk to a child? Excuse me. Well, let's. How can I talk to a child that's that's that comes in there and their parent has never supported them, and they say, "I hate my mother with a passion." Where do I start? You know what I mean? I, I I know where to start, but I'm it, that was a rhetorical I, question. I, but yeah, you know, <laughs> because I'm like, I don't
0: know, <laughs> I don't know where to start, Greg. I know,
1: I know where to start. <laughs> I'm a therapist, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, but it just it just tears at me because. Um, it didn't have to be that way. And typically it's just the child is something different than the parent wanted. Well, And that can't be. We can't do that.
0: Do you find that if you then bring in the parent for a session, is the parent devastated to hear that? Or is the parent so stuck in what they know that that ship has sailed?
1: Hmm. A little of both. I mean, it just depends on the, the family situation. I've seen parents deny it totally. I mean, she's a kid. She doesn't know what she's talking about. I've seen them uh, talk about how they want to change it, and please tell me what to do, and, and months later it's the same, right?
0: Right. The spirit is willing, but right. whatever it is.
1: Right. Um,
0: That makes me sad.
1: Well, it is. It's very sad. It's a hard part about working with teenagers.
0: Oh, I mean, I just I can't imagine, you know, and I feel as though I would like to think that there is really no deal breaker when it comes to loving my kids. There you go. I mean, I just I can't figure out what they could do. I mean, if they killed me. (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, I right. can't speak to it. But, you know, even if something, you know, happened, I'm like, I'm super disappointed. But it is, I can't fathom not loving my child. And right. certainly something like having different political leanings or, mm. you know, sexuality, you know, right. um, I I love the stories where, you know, children come out to their parents and the parents, you know, it's like this big build up Because, of course, this is huge for the child, whatever mm-hmm. age they are. And, you know, the stories that warm my heart are the ones where the parents say, oh, gosh, I thought you had something horrible to tell me. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like.
1: I've seen that. It's right. Great. And yeah. that's,
0: you know, that's where you want to go because you know, again, it goes back to that phrase of like, call me by my name. Okay, well, you're still Jeff. Right. You know, you're still Sandra. You're still whomever you were before you told me this. Right. And, and it's, it's traumatic.
1: And, 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 you know, a lot of times where I see it too is where it's issues with the parents. Maybe they're separated. Maybe it's just so contentious. It's, 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 hateful between the two of them and has been for years and this young child has been growing up in the middle of that right shuttled between Mm -hmm. back and forth between homes and the parents are at each other's throat the whole time so it's their issue with themselves and it's hurting the child right that's the
0: other thing that i wondered about yeah
1: and and this happens all the time i mean you don't have to you know, the reason you separated is it wasn't working, right? But you don't have to get the child involved in your um, hate. I don't know what other word to use there. Your, yeah. Yeah. You know, for each other because you couldn't work something out and your child is getting involved in it. Um, it happens a lot. This is really a downer today.
0: Well, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll share I, something. I'll share something. But funny. it's important. It is really important, and it makes me laugh. I was just scrolling through my phone trying to find, I actually screenshotted a tweet that I saw the other day, and it was, um, it says, me to my husband, that's not where that goes. Husband, at work we have a saying. Is it wrong, or is it different? Me, it's wrong.
1: <laughs> there you
0: go. <laughs> you know, it's like it's, it's all funny when it comes to, like, you know, where things go in the dishwasher, but right. when it comes to, you know, how mm-hmm. your children are, Um, you know, different is not wrong.
1: It's not wrong. I'd like everybody to think back to their childhood for a minute here. Think back to your, your, the time you spent with your parents from far back as you can remember to when you left the house and what that relationship was like and what was modeled to you probably because of it was modeled to them from their parents, but mm-hmm. what was modeled to you? Was it was it kind, caring, loving? Was it uh, was it was there animosity? Was there I'm always right? I mean, what was in there? Because, and then I want you to look at how you're dealing with your kids today. Is it the same? Hopefully, you had a very secure attachment your parents and it was a loving wonderful relationship and and they uh, it grew through uh, uh, the love and the the learning and the sharing right Mm -hmm. the attunement and that's what you have today and that's what you're sharing with your kids hopefully but if it was something different and it wasn't comfortable for you back then it was relational trauma let's say Mm -hmm. Um, and and you were affected by it and you know it and you don't look at it now and realize that you're doing the same thing there's the awareness piece again Mm -hmm. right because you can stop it you don't have to do this it may take getting some help but that's fine but you can stop the relational trauma from being intergenerational mm-hmm. and it is you can look back as far as you can generally until somebody stops it right until somebody says no i'm stopping this right now
0: this reminds me of what uh, jd was talking about on his show before us this idea of history repeating itself
1: there you go And that
0: you know, and the thing is, it's not repeating itself because it's a whole different set of circumstances. It's a whole different family dynamic. Your spouse is not your parents' spouse, et cetera, et cetera. And so you can look at that history.
1: But it's the behaviors.
0: And change it. Mm
1: -hmm. It's the behaviors and being aware how automatic they are. I mean, that's the scary part. When you get aware and you realize, oh, crap. I'm my dad, and I didn't like the way he was Mm -hmm. around this issue, and here I am doing it. When that awareness happens, it can be uh, traumatic for you.
0: Oh, are you kidding? I have said (laughs) to my kids that if I start – now, just so we're clear here – I adore my mother. We have a great relationship. It has grown and changed and evolved, et cetera, et cetera. All the things I have to say in case she finds this. Um, That said, I have said to my children, I have given them all permission, that if I become too Mm Mimi-like to please in a space of kindness, like read the room, read you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. but to let me know that, that there are some things that as you get older, you find that you're Doing and the priorities that you have, you may regress in a weird way. And so, you know, I have said to them, call me out on this.
1: Right. You're not, and you're not flawed or you're not defective. You're you're just automatically doing this because you've automatically done it forever. And that's what your parents did. And they're automatically doing it. So you're all on this autopilot that we need to turn off and take control ourselves. And that. Becoming aware at that moment when that needs to happen is uh, uh can be traumatic in itself right well, and, I... and get some help, and you know uh, relational trauma is uh is huge in every family, oh yeah, I mean we I mean, were talking about trauma, people think about you know sexual trauma or or coming back from wars sure. and, or or attacks or murders whatever. Those are incredibly complex traumas mm-hmm. but relational trauma is something that happens to all of us
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and how we deal with that how we come back um, yeah
0: well and there's no yardstick by which to measure trauma there's a a, a friend of ours who has a podcast uh, tennis and Jacobson uh-huh. common ground there you go. Yeah. and you know she survived a traumatic situation Parably. and you don't you don't get to compare one person's with the other and no. so that relational trauma it can be so damaging and it's it's all about how you um you deal with it from you know moving on into your relationships everything from with significant others to your children to work dynamics all of that um
1: well, if, a, if a child hears hears uh you'll never amount to anything uh all week, all year. For eighteen years. Mm-hmm. Now you tell me, that's that's incredible trauma. Oh. And and it was just a sentence, you know. But it's and and then the actions behind it. Um, that's relational trauma. That's emotional trauma. Right. You know. Well, and, it's said that yeah. the
0: universe doesn't um, doesn't hear negative. However, people do. We 're not the universe, we're our own universe, hmm. and we a hundred percent hear those negative things and when somebody tells you something like that, it's like a fixed point on the road that you steer toward
1: well and and this what we're talking about with this relational trauma it is due to lack of emotional connection uh, in relationships going way back when and I think you know that's an important piece that we need to carry on with here is Couples coming in and, and seeing me, mm-hmm. and they have no idea how to communicate, and it's really not communication that's lacking. It's connection that's lacking.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that next week because okay. we're, of course, running out of time.
1: So glad so, everybody is here listening.
0: I, I mean, yes, and we learned so much. And I learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to know more and you want to connect, you go to KuiperCounseling.com. Yes. You can go to Facebook. You can go to Instagram, Kuiper Counseling. Right. And ask the questions. Call in next time. We'll help you out. In the meantime, Greg, what do you got to say?
1: Stay aware out there. Everybody.
0: There you go.